Welcome to Party Zone Revisited, where we look at the who's who of club culture, then and now. With me, James Hyman. And with me, Simone Angel. Oi, oi. How you doing? Oi, oi. Back oi, in oi, home. James. Yes, I'm back in Belize. I'm back in the jungle, as you can hear. All the birds mm. chirping again. So, yeah, I'm back in the jungle. You're interviewing Christian Hill and Jennifer Washington, director and producer exactly. of this new excellent film about the history of Detroit techno. Although you could say it is techno because they do go deep into the roots. But mainly, mainly, and that's a, I think that's a very important point because... There's been a lot of talk, God, by the way, a film called uh, God Said Give Them Drum Machines. But what is interesting is that, you know, there's been a lot of talk. I've seen this online. I've seen a lot of people get quite incensed as people do about, no, Detroit comes from here, here, here. And, you know, this was the pioneer. And there is a narrative that three people were the main guys from Detroit Techno. That is Juan Atkins, Kevin Saunderson and Derek May. I don't think that can exactly. be taken away, right? But you have to understand narratives are formed, but everyone plays their part, you know? I mean, and they talk about that, I think, nicely in the film. Fantastic archive footage. They talk about roots, people like craft work. I think Yellow Magic Orchestra, everything seems to be covered in that film. Amazing archive. So, but it centers on Detroit because, mm-hmm. let's be honest, Detroit is a key part of the techno story, right? Oh, for sure. Big time. Yeah. Uh, for me personally, you know, you had bands like Kraftwerk and like New Order experimenting, of course, with all the new technology. But to me, Detroit is where it all kind of solidified, where all these different music mm, styles mm. were infused into it. And this whole new music style to me was created that really started like the acid house scene and techno. And to me, that still was... I don't know, still ground zero for me personally. And then it just gets, and of course, but of course it's always bouncing backwards and forwards. It goes from Europe to the States, from the States to Europe and everyone yeah. adds their own yeah. little bits. But I think what happened in Detroit at that time was incredibly important. Yeah. And I think there's some really lovely angles, which again is touched on in the film. Like the first time these this trio, they come to England. Basically, I think there was a couple of magazines that were very pivotal in garnering attention to this was Record Mirror um, and the Face magazine. Face did an amazing piece on it. I can't remember who the, forgive me, who the, was it Neil Rushton who wrote the piece? I can't remember. I'm, my brain's gone a bit wishy. But anyway, there was a fantastic piece in the Face and these guys come over and they're blown away by what's going on in the UK. And, you know, it's, it's, it's fascinating to see that whole story, you know, to, uh, sort of discussed from their point of view. Yeah. And it's interesting because um, a friend of mine who's from the US, who's really very much into electronic dance music, when I mentioned Detroit to him, he just looked at me like, what's a, you know, what, what's so interesting about Detroit? And when I mentioned these names, mm. he didn't even know them. He was like, oh, but I thought techno wow. came from Europe. Like no idea, which to me, it was like, what? So it's kind of interesting how in Europe, we look at the US and say that techno and house and all these music styles were to a large extent created there. Whereas in the US, they're looking at Europe and go, no, it came from Europe. So it's quite interesting how, you know, the different, um, the different perceptions. 
Mm. And of course, remember our trip there? I think we went there, what, in 98 and we did, we managed in that weekend, we've got to dig out this tape. There's a little clips of it in this documentary. But in a weekend, I remember this, we filmed, and you were incredible because you were doing all the interviews, about 30 of the who's who in techno. Pretty much everyone. We got all the three. We did a special with Kevin Saunderson, which hopefully we're going to revisit again in a few weeks. Derek May, Juan Atkins, Eddie Flashing Folks, Kelly Hand. Um, I think we interviewed Mad Mike, the dude with the shoes who had that, do you remember that crazy uh, place the where the Heidelberg shoes were The Heidelberg Project, I think that was called. That was it. Heidel that was it. Good right? Call. Yes, that was Very funny. Nice. 30 interviews. Uh, yeah. That was that lovely RIP lady, Laura Gavor, who was like our kind of showing us around. But I remember this thing with Mike Banks. I mean, going into his like bunker record shop and he's got like, I mean, I don't think I'm wrong in saying this. He had some interesting stuff under the counter that would kind of scare you. I, I won't say what, what it was in case he gets into trouble. What? Guns. In America, you're allowed to have guns, yeah. so we can say guns. Uh, you are, but I don't know if you're allowed so many or what they're... Okay, and of course you can say it, but I don't many, want to, you know... many, many, many years ago. No, a lot of Americans have a lot of guns and don't really think anything... Well, there was a lot of heavy, hardcore weapons there, and then brandishing <laughs> all these guns and like, how come MTV, or you didn't come here 10 years ago? And it's like, well, I was about eight, firstly, and we didn't have a budget, and we're here. We are here to document techno. Yeah, it's Just like amazing. these producers and directors, but... I think we did a good job there. You know, and to me, it, it I don't know, there is just a magic to Detroit musically, and it's so hard to put mm. your finger on it. I, I have never been in a place like it. And I mean, we've traveled around the world. We've been in amazing places, met amazing musicians, but I have never experienced that deep passion and an understanding of music and music history and it, it just unless you've been there and I've heard other people say this who've been to Detroit who say you know if you really want to understand this music style you ought to go to Detroit you ought to experience it because seeing it on TV or, or listening to it uh, through a podcast it still can't do it justice it's like many things I said, sorry, shameless sort of plug about my archive, the world's largest magazine collection. You can see videos, you can see pictures, you can see it all until you come and touch those magazines and fit. But definitely, let's just push that to one side. Detroit, you've got to be in that environment. Do you remember that amazing, it was like a car park that was all de always oh. demolished and destroyed. And it was like, wasn't it like sh amazing chandeliers? Derek May took us oh. around this whole you know we, we we went and saw it, those places and that has so much impact on the whole the vibe how yes. people make the music how people live so you yeah I you have to be in it like, like Motown yeah that was Detroit of course yeah there was like a it, it was course. an old theater I think which was now a car park I mean That's just it. insane um, although apparently Detroit has gone through you know a whole makeover recently especially downtown and uh, it's been gentrified. So that'll be quite interesting yes. to, to see as well. You know, is that vibe still alive or, or not? And, and, and how does it affect the next generation of musicians? And it just, it'd be really interesting to talk to these two people. And um, it's yeah, true. It's, their true. it's like the struggle. Exactly. It's like just going back to that point you said, which is very interesting. You know, 
a lot of this music, like, you know, I was talking, oh, I was listening to another podcast today, actually, our mutual friend Steve Blaine interviewing Dave Durrell, which is a must listen. It's very funny. It's very good. He comes out with one quote. I've got to quote it very quickly, and then I will leave you to do your interview. But Dave Durrell, I mean, check this for a quote, him talking about punk, right? Him getting into punk, and you know how it was all DIY, like techno, all this okay. stuff. Here we go. This is him talking about living when punk is breaking through. I would ride around our council estate in central London on my rally racer bike in a Marks and Spencer's plastic bag as a top. That's what happened in punk. You imagine him. He's literally got a Marks and Spencer plastic bag on him, running around. I love it. But punk, <laughs> like, like with techno, you know, it was, it was DIY. Yeah. Go out and do it. It's, you know. Uh, funny. Yeah. No, things were very DIY. Yeah. And, but it seems these days everything's been gentrified. Even clubbing has been gentrified, everything. And so how does Correct. that affect yeah. the sound yeah. of music? Um, but of course, That's what I now mean. people the struggle. Have a lot they had more. a struggle, right? They had the struggle. Right. So, you know, Motown, there was that struggle of your environment, of race, whatever, privilege, everything now. Do you really, is there still that sort of, I'm sure for individuals, but that, that feeling, you know, punk was a reaction to society. Techno was a reaction to society. Acid House. I don't, is yeah. that still so much in music? Is there so much of that sort of aggressive struggle and reaction to what's going on in society? There's plenty going on in society that young people can get angry about and kick against. So maybe when it comes to that, um, we'll still get some good music yes, but they've all through. Yeah, yeah, but you, you'll get the good music. But everyone's got those tools. I mean, literally, I said it again to Dave Durrell today. We've all got this. So this mm -hmm. can do everything. And again, the quote, just one, one last quote, from the Sunday Times magazine, 26th of August. This is 2017, five years ago. Mark Andreessen, the guy who invented whatever, Netscape browser. This is the quote that kills me. And you don't get more techno than this, okay, for a quote. That's what I mean, we've all got this now. The 600, this was said five years ago, the 600 iPhone, sorry, the $600 iPhone in your pocket is a Unix supercomputer that cost $30 million 25 years ago. Both are exactly the same. So this thing here is a $30 million instrument. Just remember that. Remember the power you have in your hands from techno. Techno, 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 techno. Techno. <laughs> See, that was, that's equally powerful. As Ray from To Unlimited would testify, you're very funny. Have a good interview. Oh, big, up, yes. big up your COCK. Yeah? And yes, James. <laughs> I will do, I will do. Thank you. So this is it. You have made the right choice. You've tuned into the party zone and a very special party zone indeed. It was the show that we filmed in Detroit and I have to say I'm so lucky that I had the chance to go to Detroit to meet all these big artists from the past, the present and the future. All these guys that have made a form of music that has just changed the whole music scene forever. I mean, mainstream artists have been influenced by them. Look at big festivals like the Love Parade. You hear the music in adverts. I mean, governments even had to bring in legislations to stop techno parties. Of course, that's what I'm talking about, techno. And to educate you, 
We've got this for you. Enjoy. And Jennifer Washington. We've got the producer and the director of the God Said Give 'em Drum Machines movie. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank, Thank you, for, you having for having us, Simone. So, um, Jennifer, maybe I'll start with you. So, the movie is about the Detroit techno scene. And I think what we need to do for the listeners who are not so familiar with Detroit itself. To give them a little bit of background information, so can you maybe give us a little a bit of a history lesson of Detroit? You know, where exactly is it in the U.S. and what's its history? So the history of the city, and then parallel the history of the music leading up to techno. Don't don't touch the techno yet, but just what came before. Wow! <laughs> Thank you, Simone, for having us on here. Um, I really appreciate um, the fact that we finally got connected. Um, this question is like something that, you know, was asked of us, you know, um, basically, you know, what became, what was this space like before techno got here? And that is another reason why it took us so long to make this film, because we couldn't just start talking about techno music without giving all that context. <laughs> so I would say, you know, going back and doing that research and including um, you know, the, 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 the great migration, including uh, the talk about Motown, to include all the blues and jazz that was going on in, in the Midwest, coming from the South was just such a, you know, crucial piece of context and history that we just had to include. And I really feel like that's what it took to really be able to for anyone to understand and appreciate what techno is, even if you may think you don't like it, it really comes from this soulful black background. And I think that's what's really important to know about this music and this film as well. Right. Christian? I mean, just over the years, Detroit has been known as an art, ar architecture and design hub, you know, in addition to the music. Um, I mean, the city it, at one point in time was one of the largest cities in America due to the, uh, I guess, the auto industry. And the auto industry's kind of um, rise at the time made Detroit kind of like this uh, jogger, what we thought was a, a juggernaut, you know. And then like in the 70s, you had like the... Um, I want to say the OPEC oil crisis, you had like imports, cars. And so the, as the auto industry began to kind of like turn down, um, the population got smaller. So like cities like Chicago, <laughs> Chicago, which was always like our sister city, but the, Chicago kept moving, you know, as a, as a bigger hub. And Detroit kind of got really got hit by, 
I want to say, by population decline. And at one point in time, there were over a million people in Detroit. Now it's less than 700,000. So uh, I guess me and Jen are a part of that exodus, you know, but uh, just over the years that Detroit has kind of uh, been hampered a little bit by the loss of population and right. kind of how it was hit by industry. And the loss of work, I mean, at that point, yes. because, yeah, so so basically for those people in Europe or other parts of the world, so Detroit, you're kind of right at the top, like right in, very north mm. in America, you know, you've got yes. um, you. Canada right across the water, right? You can stand yes. in Detroit. I can stand and, and look at Canada. Look yes. at Canada. Mm-hmm. And and so and so it was really the, the automobile industry that, got a lot of people from was it from the south as well like a lot of yes, black yes, americans yes. moved to to detroit mm-hmm. at that point mm-hmm. because of the auto mm-hmm. industry and brought all their music with them right all the different styles from oh, they all brought all their the culture yes yes brought right. all their culture and and kind of art with them and you know that that early creative class you know, goes back right to the turn of the century. And uh, I mean, you had early musicians like out of the Scott Joplin era that, you know, were playing, I want to say ragtime and things of that nature. So the, the music in Detroit goes back and having musicians of note, noteworthy musicians goes all the way back to the turn of century in Detroit. So, yeah. you know, to see where we are, today where we have electronic music it'd be no there's no question that even today we would have these type of contributors to culture you know coming from our city yeah it's always been a melting pot yes always been a melting pot Uh, akin to new orleans in the south or akin to uh, nashville with country music detroit has always been a hub for uh soul music and always been a a hub for uh black american culture so the two of you were both born in detroit how did you meet at the club Uh, (laughs) (laughs) that's not true at all um I've been uh, in Los Angeles since the early 90s. And when I moved from Detroit to Los Angeles, I ran in a circle of uh, many Detroiters. And I lived on Detroit Street. And so there were, it was a big social group. And we um, had a lot of parties. And basically, we were part of that scene out here in Los Angeles. Uh, so then cut to. 2010, we were both in Detroit at the same time. I was um, attending one of my high school reunions. I went to Cass Tech and um, we bumped into each other at Eastern Market at a house party on a Saturday night. And we started this conversation and, you know, that, that was 12 years ago. So whose idea was it to start working on this project? I think we were thinking alike, you know, at the same time, Christian Christian can speak to what he was doing in Detroit at the time, but I had just come from visiting the first techno museum in the world. Um, my, a friend of mine took me to exhibit 3000, the submerged headquarters on East Grand Boulevard. And I was blown away because I didn't ever really think that this music that I grew up, you know, in love with was 
now known as techno. I just didn't know that, you know? And so it was news to me and it just, you know, it was that, yeah, that weekend that I kind of like, you know, experienced this revelation and just realized just how dope this was and how something needed to be done about this because, you know, you know, in the 90s, you know, we just thought of this techno as just being something else, not this soulful. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I'm just baffled that you are yeah. from Detroit. You would dance into this music and all this time you didn't quite realize like I didn't know what it was I, or, or or did you know this Detroit's history like did you did you understand like everything that you learned from doing a movie did you know that beforehand beforehand i mean you know we were listening to the radio you know we were listening to the radio and whatever was in the mix show is what you know we were dancing to and so i didn't really know the most of these names the names of the songs the names of the artists i really didn't know that they were homegrown i had no idea until 2010. And so I'm, you know, wandering into this party, this house party in the Eastern Market. I'm just like, you know, blown away. And I'm like, wow, I, you know, this is a big deal. Why don't more people know about this? Wow. Enters Christian Hill, <laughs> <laughs> director, editor, filmmaker. And then that's kind of how the conversation started. But Christian was already working on some things and I'll let him talk to that. But that's kind of how it got started. Uh, yeah. Um, well, I've known about this. I Like the day that Jen and I met up, we were talking about this. So I was like, yeah, I know these guys. And I, uh, I've grown up around this culture of uh, dance music in Detroit all my life, you know, uh, mm -hmm. going back as far as like, you know, as being eight years old, I met Juan Atkins, who uh, is credited for coining the term techno music mm -hmm. and uh shoot it just like it, kids in new orleans gravitate to brass band instruments you know in detroit we gravitated to turntables and drum machines and samplers and all kind of in i guess in response to how this music was beginning to uh penetrate our ears and we were beginning to hear this this sound and how this sound was beginning to affect us because it was a lot of things happening at the time you were having the birth of house music you were having the birth of hip-hop and in detroit we were having the birth of our scene which is now known as techno but yeah. in the beginning it really didn't have we weren't necessarily calling it anything it was just right. you know uh uh what do you call it? A gumbo of music that a gentleman by the name of Mojo was serving up to us on a nightly basis. And right. So Mojo, the, very important mm -hmm. radio DJ. Mm -hmm. Everybody mm -hmm. seems to talk about this guy. Tell me about him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And his legend, his legend matches his, his uh, impact. Uh, the impact that he had not only on myself and Jen and the people in other Detroiters, but uh, that impact kind of carried over into Canada as well. Because, again, you, this music and, you know, it's carrying over in Ohio and parts of this Midwest area where Mojo, is, where our radio signal is kind of hitting people. So Mojo just was able to go ahead. Yeah, he was so, just able so, to kind of tell him, go ahead. 
So Mojo, just for people who don't know him, so he was playing a wide variety of music, really exposing people to music that they had never heard before. He was not scared to grab brand new acts here and there and and really expose a large audience to people who never would have been able to break through otherwise, kind of like John Peel did in the UK. This is Mm. what Mojo did for your part of the nation. Am I right? Yes, yes. And thank you for uh, clarifying that for you sometimes. uh, Just uh, how we know Mojo, maybe what doesn't translate because we so we know him so well but yes mojo would uh introduce us to all types of music within his set you know so as uh i just heard my friend uh reggie doke say he would play beethoven the beethoven would go into uh parliament the parliament would go in the you know craft fork then he might play queen like it was just all this range of music and because of that kind of like range of music that he would deliver it you know as a kid or as a young teenager it, you would just fascinate it and you would stay up all hours of the evening in order to hear this music and yeah. so he was the first one to kind of just kind of have you turn your light turn your porch light on <laughs> don't say damn say whoa <laughs> say whammy <laughs> walk. <laughs> like he had he said if it gets too if it gets too uh crazy tie a knot don't let go don't say damn (laughs) say whammy whoa like he had all of these sayings that were kind of mantras for life and mojo introducing music to us in that way uh just has stuck with me and many detroiters for years and so there were the belleville three right the ones who are the most famous kind of techno pioneers they were also very much inspired by what they were hearing on the radio, the stuff that Mojo was playing. Right? Yeah, but we don't say we don't say Belleville Three. Okay, like all right. That 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 is uh, that's kind of where the legend, and even in the film, that's where the legend in the film go in two different directions. Uh, okay, so so let's just mention so who we're talking about when we when we say mm-hmm. that name. So we're talking about mm-hmm. Juan Atkins, Derek May, mm-hmm. and Kevin Saunderson. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Those which guys is, went is, to school together. They went to Belleville High School or something, right? And they were yeah, friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But once we start to like, well, that's, this is for later on in our conversation. But uh, yes, Juan, Derek, Kevin uh, all went to high school together. But Eddie, Blake, and Santonio also played a right. role in, in kind of cementing this culture for us. And so I. When we talk about the Belleville Three, that's kind of where it seems that history has kind of separated these guys. And so we we like to talk about the Techno Six, or we just like to talk about it in a way that's a little more inclusive of the other contributions. You know, not that these guys, not that these three guys aren't the most uh, known out of them, but they're the film kind of talks about reasons why that is is the way it is. Right. But I think that's actually, like, like you said, that's actually very fair of your movie. It's, it's so easy to just look at the ones who are still kind of famous today. And because there's certain ones, because of decisions they've made or whatever, who didn't really reach that. And I think it's quite fair, like what you guys are doing to make sure that they get the limelight too in this movie. No, that, that is, um, I mean, that's been the goal of, uh, 
once we once Eddie folks introduced me to Kevin Saunderson and he introduced me to Blake and Santonio and then we came across the uh, cover uh, magazine where they all six of these guys are on the cover and taken by a photo taken by a gentleman by the name of Normski, Norman Anderson yes. in the UK, yeah. who, uh, who we love. Once we figured out this whole crucible of connection, then it was kind of like, oh, this thing is bigger than the Belleville three. And before there was the Belleville three, it was actually these six guys. And so how, we go from these six guys to the Belleville three is a little of what we get into in the film. Right. Yeah. So the film definitely, it, it, it does focus uh, a little bit on that picture, right? It takes that picture and then starts telling the story of all these different mm -hmm. characters that are in that picture. Mm, beautiful. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's definitely, uh, that took years to figure out, but once we figured it out, uh, we leaned into it. And once we leaned into it uh, and and then over the pandemic, got the opportunity to interview no Norman, uh, it just all came together. You know, the, the our idea to interview Norman Anderson actually came about in 2016 when we met, but it took us till 2020 uh, to get the interview. So again, this is a process. These these uh, moments that you see in the film are is a process of us learning uh, about this music and about the people who helped illustrate this music. So yeah. So how long has it taken to make this movie in total? Long time. Yeah, yeah. God said, "Give them drum machines." Took twelve years to make. At, at one point in time, it was uh, called the Detroit Sound Project, and then that morphed into Techno Mecca. Techno Mecca then gave way uh, in 2013 to God said, "Give them drum machines." So from 2013 to 2022, we were under. We've been promoting God said, "Give them drum machines." Wow. Why did you think it was important that the, the world knew about Detroit and its role in techno, the rise of techno in electronic music? I mean, for so many reasons. When we started this, this is like pre-bankruptcy. For those of you that don't know, um, Detroit uh, went through a bankruptcy in the, uh, 2013, I think, and it was a very sad, dark time for the city living in Los Angeles. I just, you know, was just kind of tired of seeing all this bad news, you know, in the news about Detroit. I just felt like, you know, we need to do something. I, I felt like that. I wanted to do something to help my city. You know, how can this happen? And so um, I wasn't even a filmmaker at the time but I was in love with music documentaries. And I could, um, I started to see how, just like how big documentaries were getting and how impactful they could be and how, you know, how they could really change life, mm -hmm. our life experience and culture. And so after seeing Searching for Sugar Man um, in 2012, which became um, an Oscar winner, I just saw how amazing, um, how they represented Detroit. It was about um, a uh, 
musician from Detroit by the name of Rodriguez, who really never got his, you know, proper recognition as being this awesome artist um, back in the 60s until basically it's, you know, taken 20 years for, you know, all the dots to be connected to um, see that this, this guy who never really thought he, you know, was a success really was in other parts of the world. And so um, in South Africa, he became, um, uh, became a legend and he didn't really know about that until 20 years later. So after seeing wow. that story, it just kind of like really inspired me. And, you know, the next thing I know, I'm meeting Christian Hill and I'm going to the Detroit Techno Museum and, you know, just the stars started to align. And I realized that, you know, this is what the city needed, this type of spotlight, this type of recognition. This story was so amazing and so dope that because, I mean, this is just like, you know, what happened with rock music, it happened, rock and roll. It happened with rock and roll, it happened with blues, it happened with jazz and, you know, these, you know, um, true original American art forms, you know, start off, you know, looking one way, um, you know, on the backs of, black artists and next thing you know you know it gets you know transformed and then we have no idea you know how you know these things get started and so right. I knew that this was special and this was important and that you know the record needed to be set straight so after talking to Christian just you know it just all made sense you are right I mean because history does repeat itself doesn't it I mean this is quite a, a common theme um, that you're mentioning where you have certain black musicians who come with very inventive ways of, of creating a music style and they have a certain level of success but then quite often the white musicians will come along and quite often they become the face of it and yeah. i don't think it's it i don't think it's anyone means no, it, bad necessarily but it does no, quite no. often happen yeah yes and it, it's not I mean, we, I, I like to look at it what they call refractions. Like, yeah. so people, you, 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 you hear something, you're influenced by it and right. you take that influence and you put it into your own creativity yeah. and that then comes out. Right. So, um, that's how I look at it and, and not necessarily from the standpoint of like, there's some, uh, evil plan, no. you know, for this to happen. No, no, and no. that's, that's how we approached it in the film you know, and trying to basically show that just influence happens. And once influence happens, popular culture, dominant culture, uh, sometimes takes it and frames it in a way that, that works for them. Yeah, you know? because I mean, and again, it goes backwards and forwards, because in your movie as well, you do talk about the fact that these black musicians were inspired also by Kraftwerk, new order these kind of you know white european bands so it, it goes different ways but they definitely yeah. added something in detroit something new got added as far as i'm mm -hmm. concerned you know i love mm -hmm. my dance music i mm -hmm. love you know I, I was big into the whole acid house um mm -hmm. early rave scene and and they did bring something new. And I think it was the blending of all these different styles. Whereas the early techno, or not the early electronic music from Europe, to me was a little bit cold, a little bit too robotic almost. And then they added a little bit of soul to it, a little bit of gospel. -y. Like all these things mm -hmm. were blended into it. And and yeah, I think it is important that they get, they 
get the rightful credit for that. And more importantly, that's when it became a genre. After right. Juan coined it, they did the, the record mirror cover, then mm. it was cemented into being a genre. That's another reason why this is so important, is yeah. that without what happened in Detroit, if that didn't happen, then we wouldn't have techno as we know it. No, it'd be an extension of house music, and which is cool. I mean, that, and really, that's as Mike Banks says that techno is sometimes uh, messed up house music. You know what I mean? So there were all of these kind of, uh, I want to say, in, inventions or ideas around music that uh, had more intention that made it different than house. Like so, one and. Uh, Derek's and Kevin and he, all of these guys, Antonio, Eddie, Blake, they had a different intention, you know. Uh, and I think just over time, that's what made this music more uh, unique than uh, maybe what was happening in the early electronic music scene, you know, that they were able to add some elements of, like you said, soul and gospel and poetry to it that yeah. didn't exist prior. And I think it's because of that very rich musical history that Detroit has that all this stuff got blended together. I, I have noticed online and social media and stuff, there is also a big, big backlash where people seem to get very wound up about the fact that um, you know, they say that, you know, techno came from Detroit. They're like, it didn't come from Detroit. It came from Europe. And they get really wound up. I don't know why they get so wound up about it, because from where I'm standing, it didn't look like you guys were denying that these guys were influenced by what happened in Europe. But I mean, what's your feeling on that? Why do people get so wound up about this? Uh, because it's cultural currency. <laughs> Like, and so, like, just over the years, like, the story of, you know, techno and, you know, just kind of African, at black, African-American contributions to music are, are just uh, the underground, because some of this music does come from the underground, the LBGT community, and mm -hmm. just kind of all, there's a, there's a, a, a lot kind of in this underground bubble that people don't want to give credit to. Right. And uh, we kind of look at the whole it started in Germany thing as erasure. So it's a way to kind of not even deal with the fact that, you know, this music may have come from somewhere else. And so just when we bring that up, it's a it's a, sometimes it's even an issue. So. It, it, you know, I, I'm glad you 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 see this, but yeah. yeah, it's a it's just something that we've had to deal with in making the film. Like, like even that's why we've had to lay the film out the way we did, so that people can kind of see that from our standpoint, it's this is the only place that this music could have come from. Yeah. So, actually, in one of the podcasts, because there's also a podcast that goes with the mm -hmm. movie. It's got all the, the first letters of the God said, give them drum machine. So G S G G E D M. Yes. Right. Great podcast, by the way, everyone go have a listen. I loved it. I've been listening to some of the episodes and there was someone on there who said that 
um, the difference between the US and Europe. And they, he said in Europe, they consume art in a more scholarly way uh, yeah. than they do in the US. He said in the US, it's more, um, things need to be a little bit more obvious. So the movies have got big mm -hmm. explosions. Everything's kind of very commercial in a way, whereas in Europe, things are a little bit more arty. And, and he said that therefore Europe got it quicker than mm. America does. And also that in Europe, we are very aware of, for instance, Detroit's part in, in the rise of, of techno, the development of, of electronic dance music. Mm -hmm. And even when I speak to friends from the US, I'm baffled that they don't even know their own music history. It's, mm. it's weird, right? <laughs> yes, it's very weird. <laughs> it's, go ahead. Because we know, yeah, I mean. Yeah. Yeah, that's why, um, yeah, we're doing this, you know, and we saw that when we traveled to London, we traveled to, to Berlin, we traveled to Nizhny Novgorod, Russia, we traveled to uh, Cape Town, South Africa, and Japan, and, and all these places, we got to see firsthand how aware and accepting um, of this type of music and popular it is, you know, everywhere else, you know, except here, you know, definitely doesn't you know, mean anything here in Los Angeles, you know, especially. And even how it's like, you know, you know, recognized in Detroit is a problem to me. And so, you know, instead of just sitting around and complaining about it, you know, yeah, we just decided to do something about it. And don't you think as well, it's really important for the next generation. I always think that, you know, kids need to have examples. They need to have heroes that they can look up to and preferably heroes that are very much like themselves. So people from their own city, people who look like them, people whose life reflects their life. And so don't you think as well for the young kids growing up, for instance, in Detroit, it's very important that they are aware of, you know, the legends that are among them. Yes, thank you for bringing that up. These guys are heroes. They should be honored and respected and learned about. And, um, you know, they've set, uh, you know, they cleared a path, you know, for so many. And um, it's very important because they're like big brothers to me. You know, I've learned so much from them. And I think that, you know, that can happen for future generations. And that's why this story is important. I mean, the, the film just in our screenings really uh, resonates with kids in their 20s, you know, people in their 30s, you know, just because they're now learning of this. They're now learning of this history and learning of this music in a way that they could kind of uh, see ownership in it. Mm -hmm. You know, that uh, prior prior to this, some, some kids don't see any ownership in the uh, techno. Like just the you you say techno to them, it brings up the uh, the German uh, ownership and erasure that we talked about. But right. once you we show them this film, they also see that they that this is them. Yeah, that it's this film is kind of you know for for younger people, and it's for people who are really kind of curious about just where where this music that they love comes from. So your movie has been screened or is about to be screened at the Tribeca Festival? Has it been screened no, we, already? We screened uh, at Tribeca uh, this past June. Uh, we had uh, three screenings. Uh, the first one being the world premiere. It was 
standing room only probably uh 400 people is in a in a event space we've kind of it, it was an event space so it was huge and uh you know uh man we got a standing ovation uh you know it's just those type of things we'll never forget you know in terms of screening this film in front of people for the first time and hearing their raw emotions throughout the film as if it they were on a roller coaster ride i mean those are things that uh you know i'll never i'll never forget you know and so uh amazing we had we had uh inner city perform at our rap, inner city and blake baxter perform at the uh rap party which was an incredible performance afterwards so people stayed uh tribeca did an excellent job of really uh highlighting our film and giving us uh the type of platform we need to take it into the next market so yes wow that must have made the last 12 years all worth it right well it's it might take me 12 years to figure out just how I really feel about what happened. But uh, <laughs> what could you do with like COVID? You just had to roll with the punches, right? You just had to get through it. Yeah. I mean, we, we did several interviews during COVID and near the, near the end, we were traveling, doing interviews. I mean, we, we basically uh, down the stretch did everything we could to get this thing put get this thing on screen yeah even when we didn't even know where it was going to end up you know we were working hard like a lot of time it wasn't you know even though we came we tribeca is the portal in which we are coming into the world mm -hmm. however we didn't know what that was going to be yeah. you know so we were once tribeca gave us the word then we had to kind of go into finishing the film mode so it, it was a lot that even though they told us let's say in february mm -hmm. we knew we knew what we knew in february or march jen but we really only had from that moment on until screening to finish one wow. week before screening we were delivering you know what i mean like so it <laughs> the film talking about the a deadline was still happening <laughs> yes yes yeah yeah wow. and they definitely had to call and give us a deadline <laughs> yeah. wow. an extension yeah an my extension for sure my goodness and tell me about so there's a big techno festival as well right that's really important in detroit super important because over uh 300,000 people come and attend over the weekend. You know, they come to this, uh, they come to Hart Plaza, which is the downtown, in downtown Detroit. This is kind of a, any uh, a tourist location or whatever that they've uh, turned into the home for uh, movement, which is, uh, it used to be called the Detroit Electronic Music Festival, a dimp and then before that but that started and uh it used to be a free festival now it's a pay festival but that pay festival has people from all over the world coming to detroit uh for more in may from memorial day and they come and celebrate the music in the city you would never know uh beyond let's say midtown what's going on downtown <laughs> but downtown detroit everybody uh 
all the locations are all kind of celebrating this music and we have people from all over the world that come and really enjoy themselves and that gave us a platform to film like some of the best djs in the world and without paxel house they like paxel house actually gave us the early kind of legs to figure out how to do this film because we would go there and film djs and interview djs make our connections and it was just from there that we became more of a a fixture within the kind of the media space around this music you know yeah because there's clips of that on youtube for sure i've seen some of the clips of what you guys filmed there or what you christian definitely filmed there um -hmm. so how um how does the whole techno community like all the artists and stuff how how do they view what you've just done you know it's uh overall positive right overall positive you know um definitely uh you know we shock people to a large degree because nowadays when you go to the club or you go you go out you see people with cameras filming Mm-hmm. Like, but you never know what where that footage goes beyond, let's say, your Facebook feed or your your YouTube channel. So, yeah, we're we're me and Jen are the people you see in the club with the camera. You just don't know where that footage is going, and just we was able to turn it not only into uh, God said give them drum machines, but we made another film called Electric Roots. Uh, we also did several short films while making this film. So we were constantly using this footage that you see people, did you see, you know, people would see us filming and now we've turned those things into content and products that are in the marketplace. So they, they're happy. The the community is definitely happy for us, but I'm sure just like everybody else, they want to see the film. They want to see they want to see it and they want to see it in a, a a larger context and we're hoping to deliver that right yeah so we were filming of course in detroit ourselves with the party zone i don't mm-hmm. actually know how did you guys find that material because not all of that is on youtube i think you guys have got little snippets of our old party zone material in the mm-hmm. movie i don't even know where you found it but it's really cool <laughs> Well, archival, you know, uh, we had a few. Jen had an archival team with Jen, Mary, Masha Montage, and Nyree. And uh, we had like a team that would just, their job was to go out and find stuff. And I would give them leads, but they would then go out and bring stuff back and it was kind of our car our archival team that really helped us kind of take this film from being you know just kind of a talking headpiece to uh, a historical doc right that really lends credibility and and lends to the story of how this music was actually created and so without yeah. that archival from party zone and things of that nature you know we wouldn't have been able to really cement people into this culture and really show that it's been here for for a long time yeah i mean when we arrived i think it was it i think it was 98 when we came and Mm -hmm. 
there was several of the artists who were basically looking at us going, why are you only here now? Why didn't you come any sooner? But we actually, before we couldn't, we didn't have the budget. This was the first time we could come. And I have to say, yeah. to this day, it's still one of my favorite, one of the favorite shoots I've ever done. It was incredible. You were just sidebar. Were you a host? Yes. On this. Yeah. So you used. Yeah, we actually used to have you in the film. <laughs> now that now that uh, like, were you on camera? Were yeah. you were on camera? Yes. Oh yeah, we yeah yeah we definitely at one point in time had you at the end of the film. Yeah. Uh, I know. Yes, so yes, 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 yes. So that party zone footage, now that you bring it up, yes. was very, was very key to some of yeah, because you came with MTV. Yes. Is that? Yes, we did. Yes, I do remember you now. <laughs> we did. Yes. And it was quite funny because when I when we first arrived, I mean some of the some of the musicians, I can't even remember exactly who, but there was some who literally were kind of looking at us a little bit distrustful, like, you know. Are you guys like really into this thing? Do you know what you're talking about? Like we really had to prove ourselves, you know? So, <laughs> so yes, yes. So that, that little, that experience you went through um, was something that we had to go through by fire all the way up into premiere. Huh. So um, it gets like you, you, you asked a question about what, what do people think? I mean, yes, what you just described was is how we have to walk through this even today. Mm -hmm. So even today, as much as in we are pro we are proven filmmakers in the uh, in this space or just yeah. in the space of documentary filmmaking, uh, Jen and I are are proven. And so it, but it took. It took 12 years for, for that to happen. And now they probably look at us, you know, differently. But just over the period of making the film all the way up until its birth, everybody looked at us skeptically and kind of still isn't sure what the hell we're doing. Right. But thank you for bringing up the party zone footage. Because, yes, I, I, I must say where you might even been a ginger. You I was, I was. I was constantly changing my hair color back then. So yeah, my hair was red. That's right. Yes, yes, I do yeah. remember you. Yes. yes. See, oh yeah, this is this is great because uh, yes, we used to have you at the end of the movie at one point in time. Yeah, we we interviewed about like thirty different people, I think, mm -hmm. in a space of I can't even remember how many days, but it was just bang, 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 bang. It was insane. And mm -hmm. the music and the DJing and everything that I experienced there, I I cannot even put it into words. It's James and I, my producer, my MTV producer and I, we traveled around the world. We've, mm -hmm. we've met all the great um, artists and DJs. Both of us have never experienced anything like what we did in Detroit. Just wow. the level of, of, of just passion and expertise and knowledge and just absolutely inspiring absolutely inspiring and then against the backdrop of at that point a very fallen down just a 
wasteland of a Detroit, and then this music that blossomed out of it. it. It's an experience I'll never forget for the rest of my life. What we're doing is like the 90s Motown. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, back here, behind this building here, you got the Motown Studios. Right. You know, and this is where everything happened. You got Marvin Gaye, Stevie Wonder, all the guys, you know, New Temptations. And I mean, and so that gives us that, that sense of spirit of Detroit to, to let us continue on the tradition, whether it be electronic or acoustic or whatever. You know, music is a universal language. So we got a lot of people think because they DJ for three years, they're a DJ. Oh, f no, you got a lot of records, bro, to come back and then present. And let's see a DJ work a black crowd. And then when you come to doing parties, like you said, when you come to Europe and do parties, you got a crowd there. You ain't got to work it. So anybody can be a DJ. Come to my neighborhood and, and let people pay five or seven dollars. They be ready to beat you up because you ain't making me dance. <laughs> That's what I call a DJ. No. There is something special about Detroit. I can't put my finger on it. I don't know what it is, but there is something. Cheap property. No, it's not. Look. There's something about the where vibe. Where can you buy? Here. Where else can you buy a building that has four levels for seventy thousand dollars? Watch. How much does it cost for a house in London? <laughs> oh, you don't want to know. Wow, you can't yeah. even get a room for that, you know. Hearing you talk now, I I can't help but just see you interviewing all of them. And uh, I mean, you had Kay Han, rest in peace. Yes. You had Terrence Parker, who I've known, like who I've known of since I was in high school. Uh, you had Stacy Pullen. Yes. You had uh, Alan I mean, ev Oldman. Everyone. They had everybody. <laughs> like yeah, I, I remember that. I remember uh, that footage. And of course, like you said, we used it, but. Uh, I'm definitely fascinated by us uh, meeting you again and kind of re readjusting my focus to now be like, oh, I can now see you with the long lens. This isn't just yes. like a up close picture. I, I know that your love for this music and your your understanding of this culture goes back a oh, long yeah. way. So, yes. so thank you. Thank you for uh, taking time to watch the film. It, it means a lot, you know. Well, thank you for making it, both of you. Thank you so much for making it. And just to uh, to end, just tell me for both of you, why techno? What does techno mean to you? I think it's, I don't know, it's ultimate cool music to me. Ultimate music, movie music to me. I mean, techno for me is um it's uh it's thinking beyond your borders it's the soundtrack for going beyond your current what you currently see mm -hmm. and when uh juan and kevin Derek, blake and santonio and eddie started making this music they didn't even know what they were doing it was they they were forced to have to kind of coin this term and put it on this music but i would say i thank them for that i thank juan for that i thank rick davis for that i thank them because it, it's given us uh in detroit a way to sonically 
kind of continue to kind of uh, cover the world and heal the world the best way they can. And the way that these guys, this artisan class of DJs and producers goes around the world every weekend to kind of administer this healing music. Uh, I'm just glad to be able to share how it all came about with people who are interested to know. So again, thank you so much. It's provided like an extra heartbeat to the world that we all dance to mm. together, right? All uh, around the world. Yes. This music is for everybody, as Kevin says. This music is for everybody. So, yeah, that, that, and that's the, uh, the feeling that we hope this film is for everybody. That, that, that in, this, in this music that's for everybody, we have this film that's for everybody, for them to learn just how or, or experience how much this music means to us and that's us like that's us on the phone like that's uh, all the techno lovers like this music and you know it's just uh, a grand opportunity to share this information with people and and we uh we treasure and we truly appreciate uh the honor of being able to share this story and we took the time we took 12 years because we wanted to make sure that it was right. So, well, thank you both so much. I hope the movie becomes a huge success. So everyone out there, watch out for God said, give them drum machines, go check out the podcast as well. And, um, I'm looking forward to whatever comes next from you guys. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you so much. Thank you. How'd it go? How was the Detroit thing? Tell me. It was um, it was very enjoyable. I really, I, I found them um, fascinating. I loved how it had taken them twelve years to make this movie. I mean, it's wow. just insane. I'm sure they're not very happy about the fact that it took them twelve years to make the the movie. But I just loved the the level of dedication you know, that they stuck with it and, and got this thing done. And what I found interesting was that they struggled with the same thing that we struggled with at the time, and that was gaining the trust of these guys. I think so many of them have been burned through the mm. years and mm. have been, you know, just maybe taken advantage of, not taken seriously. And so they really had to earn their stripes. And it's what we had to do all those years ago in the space of one weekend. And, you know, they had a longer time to do it, but they said, even to this day, they still constantly have to prove themselves and, and show that their intentions are, you know, Well, hopefully this film speaks good. for itself. Yeah. So, right. You know, hopefully that and, film uh, will really get the trust. We got, I'm sure, I'm sure. And one thing we got wrong, we were in Detroit in 1997, not 98. So even better, even earlier. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's still a relevant and important story to tell, even to this day. I look forward to the listen. Thank you very much.